0: if anyone is taking away from this that i like have anything figured out or like i absolutely do not i am you know adrift here also. <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome to did i do that It's a podcast about making graphic design and making mistakes, because, hey, it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a very special guest. He's a legend of online design discourse, having kicked off both the Web Design Focus Build Festival and The Manual, a journal for designers who work on the internet, before starting XOXO, the experimental festival for online creators, in 2012. These days, he produces events for the likes of Adobe, Duolingo, Slack, Intel, and more through his studio Regular. And after opening the experimental Zero Proof Cocktail Bar Sucker Punch, he's gone on to found the non alcoholic craft brewery heck. It's Andy McMillan. Hi
0: Andy. Oh my gosh, that was a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of stuff. Let's go back and add caveats to all of that. <laughs> yeah, build was a long time ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't published books in a long time either. Yeah, give me give me some other more relevant. Here. Yeah. Uh yeah, the bar is closed. <laughs> 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 yeah, These
1: kind of... these things happen. These you know, time comes for us all. Um so you're you're a bit of a web a webhead. Um a, web head. a web head. This is a term that I'm I'm trademarking, webhead. Uh-huh. Um it's it's an amazing wonderful term that everyone loves. Um, and I assume also you enjoy the Macintosh family of products. You you were the first sure. person ever who has shared location
2: on oh, iPhone with yeah. me.
1: I mean that's what it's there for. I guess so. I forgot that I had the Find My app installed on my phone. <laughs> it just pops up in your messages, right? It, like that's what they you know they just the really demos good and... though. It worked good. Yeah. So we're we are a few weeks out from the keynote in which our world was changed. Nay, rocked by the idea of strapping a $4,000 box to your head. So you could pretend you're looking at a laptop right in front of you while you're on an airplane. Really, just a game-changing idea. We're talking about this? We're talking about this. (laughs) I don't have opinions about this. (laughs) Well, that's fine. Uh, So, you know, that's definitely been the focus of Apple's attention, I would say, for sure. Um, but Apple is also generous with us, the plebes, who still use macOS day-to-day, uh, us us nerds, us old-school folks who are using it for work and stuff like that. Um, so they've announced a new version of macOS at that same keynote. Uh, have you heard about this? Have you heard about the new macOS Sonoma?
0: Wait, we just did a little warm-up conversation here for like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hit the record button, and now I'm on a tech podcast talking
1: about <laughs> The Apple keynote? What are we doing? T- this is literally the most tech-focused this show has ever been. What? Wait, this, what was this the question? Mac OS Sonoma. I guess I'll, I'll jump right into it. I'm I, uh, Why I'm asking is can you name I, – I, I've been on their website. Can you name the number one top-of-the-list feature on the Mac OS Sonoma website? And I will say, first off, this is a game that I've been playing with students for the past couple of weeks – it delights me to no end the reactions when you actually see what the top tier feature is. <laughs> okay, so the question is... And you will not win. There's a this new
0: a... Mac OS coming out. It's called the, Sonoma. Sonoma, in the fall, right? They released their OS in the fall. Yes. And on the website, what feature are they pitching as being the most exciting feature of Mac OS? The,
1: the feature that is just like blowing our minds about this new version of Mac OS, truly equal to the the Apple headset. I mean, Box, whatever.
0: I use my computer for email and the notes app as one of those. <laughs> That's all I care about.
1: No, those would be much more exciting than the actual top tier feature. All right. Uh, talk it to me. What is it? Welcome uh, to screens. Oh, <laughs> hey, now. Okay.
0: Okay. So what has just you're, happened you're is- going to
1: defend screensavers, I the top tier feature.
0: <laughs> I am absolutely going okay, to defend please. screensavers. Now, this is your fault. I I absolutely uh, you're making me talk about this. <laughs> um, so I have just been presented with an iPad that has uh, yeah the Mac OS Sonoma preview page open on it. And right at the top, no kidding, is this the Apple TV screensavers are coming to the Mac. Yeah. Hey, that's the best part of the Apple TV. You <laughs> <laughs> I mean, It is. No kidding. You're not wrong. Especially, God, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you didn't put the screensavers on to like look at, you know, I national parks and stuff. That's They're my delightful. absolute – and they release new ones every month. I'm like, that's like a big day, you know, when the new Apple screensavers come out. You have brought this up with the wrong person. <laughs> and I, I apologize now for my skepticism moments ago. <laughs> the screensavers – the Apple TV screensavers coming to the Mac, that's – I'm genuinely stoked for that. True, that's great.
1: Truly screensavers. The, it, I I did not expect this reaction because I've never gotten it uh, in, in all the – in all the times, but I love it, not, <laughs> and I no, I, I, am, I will also say I love these screensavers. I think they're great. They are, um, and you know i I have currently an extension on my computer that actually loads in it. I don't know what it does. I probably impersonates the Apple TV. Uh, user agent and just downloads the screensavers and so if i go okay so why did you
0: bring this up to dunk on it then if you've, you've gone out of your way
1: to put them on your computer because isn't apple doing you a favor here uh i would love it if apple made it seem like they were trying a little bit <laughs> i guess well screensavers does feel like it's a good feature is it the number one feature, though, that you want in a new Mac OS release? Well, what's the number one sure. feature that
0: you want? What does what your computer not do at the moment you think that they should be focusing on?
1: I would love it to work good. If, okay. if they could make an <laughs> operating system that made the computer faster... And crash less. That would actually be good for me. Um, they don't seem to want to do that, though, oh. <laughs> and they haven't for I'd say about twelve versions.
0: I would uh, perhaps then consider orienting your career around less processor-intensive software. Yeah, which is not running them
1: all at the same time. You I mean? don't
0: have. Uh, you, you mentioned I did some consulting for Adobe a couple of years ago. I'm not going to say anything about Adobe maybe i will but um you know i don't you're not listening to this <laughs> i don't think so um you know i don't have any creative cloud apps on my laptop no i i was not kidding i have the email app open and the notes app open and that's about it and my computer is great that's yeah i don't have any problems with it whatsoever as long as you don't ask it to do anything
1: <laughs> you're going to have a much better time uh, I, I mean, I think that is the that is the aspirational vision for what the modern computer could be. Is you know, it's really just a notepad that comes to life. Uh, basically,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really want life. it to do anything else.
1: <laughs> it's a notepad that comes to life, <laughs> dances around, sings for you. Of I mean, course. at a certain point, you know, this
0: happens every year too. Since now I'm on a tech podcast. <laughs> uh. This happens every year, you know, when they release the new phone or the new uh, iOS comes out or whatever. And I'm like, but it's not, it doesn't do anything, you know, revolutionary. I'm like, what do you want it to do? This is very fair. It already does a lot of stuff. It does do a lot. It's already kind of a magic rectangle. What else would you want them to have it do? I'm like, yeah, I think, yeah, screensavers, they're kind of (laughs) out of ideas. Like, do we have any better ideas? ideas? Like, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> my computer and my phone, I almost do too much. And again, I'll emphasize, I only use them for email and notes. It's already bothering me too much with email and notes as it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that is part of a good, because I think I, still we are now in July of 2023, and I'm still trying to figure out what the theme is of 2023. Maybe part of it is still the do less the do less mentality of like find ways to to reduce to reuse to recycle hmm. and Apple is already getting on that train with Sonoma you know sure <laughs> we're recycling the Apple TV screensavers and uh, well they do this as well right every so often yeah and we
0: and you know people complain about it I, I, every so often they take a year where they just do some tidy up work you know yeah. the latest I you know I said this the other day that I am I you know I'm such a fan of pain and suffering. <laughs> I, I, I'm like God. I actually am very well prepped to have this conversation. Unfortunately, I, <laughs> I put the iOS 17 beta on my phone a couple oh, days no. ago. Oh no! Why
1: would you do that? Because uh, there's
0: something. Because I like pain and suffering.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and uh, I've been
1: very tempted by the watch one. It seems like they really actually fixed some. Then things maybe on they the watch. maybe they have.
0: It's the tidy up year. Yeah. It's the you know they're going. But they're not doing anything big. I think in large part because there aren't really that many big things left to do. Yeah. And we're getting a nice tidy up year. And yeah, maybe we can sort of springboard that into a broader conversation about like maybe this is everyone's kind of spring cleaning year you know are we just going to go back and you know tidy everything up get some visual consistency in the os or whatever like i don't know yeah tortured analogy time
1: i don't know know. welcome to my new podcast (laughs) tortured analogy time i'm sean schumacher
0: that's my podcast
1: yeah oh oh (laughs) damn you already trademarked it damn um so Andy we were talking we were talking a little bit before the recording about kind of how you came into this this big field that we call design um and that you don't I mean you do not come from a graphic design background you came from a I mean specifically an audio background originally right I don't know and- <laughs> I'm your
0: fun, weird guest, you know, we're Please, like, look yes. at the
1: list. I'm like, look at all these incredibly
0: accomplished people who are very easy to understand. Yeah, but they're talking and then to this me. Weirdo. <laughs> so. You know, I'm your like nice sort of yeah oddball for the for the season. Um, yeah, I mean, and it also feels very odd. I, I'm going to uh, it's towards an analogy. No, a, a, maybe not towards an
1: analogy. I tell you something oh, I'm, I'm licensing it just for this one segment
0: uh, on July 3rd we're recording this on July 9th so it was only a few days ago I became an American citizen oh my god yeah hey congratulations uh, everyone's very excited and pumped for America and what America's up to and where they're oh, all, it, it,
1: I, had I would say it's board. the best
0: time but what a, yeah what a time it just <laughs> keeps getting better is the thing <laughs> but I don't want to abandon uh, I'm originally from Belfast in Northern Ireland and uh, yeah you are I'm doing the Best job that I can, hiding my accent. But now that I've said that, you're going to hear me say a few words (laughs) a little strange. That's why. It's because I'm not actually from here. Um, And this is, you know, I really enjoy, um, like, I get to be kind of a little bit British, and I get to be a little bit Irish, and now I get to be a little bit American, and I kind of get to pick whatever position lets me be the most (laughs) insufferable. And so... (laughs) um yeah. uh,
1: truly that's the most portland way to be
0: so i'm taking a long walk to making this point which is i, I was going to be our theme this uh episode um that uh this is a very american thing right like americans like to talk about college and like where they were when they were younger and stuff and i'm like i you know i always find it very strange especially when being interviewed like this like oh you know what where, where'd you like come from and co- you know what's the, your career i'm like I never think about that stuff, like I don't even really remember what I was doing two years ago. <laughs> I'm like, what was I doing i'm thirty six What was I doing when I was in my teens and twenties like I don't know it's 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 almost completely irrelevant, and so um, yeah, I did a lot of weird stuff i I went to school originally for audio engineering, but I dropped out after the second year because it was a i didn't have a good time. It was not a very well put together course oh. No. Um, And, yeah, I dropped out, but I was part of the college uh, – Or it's not called college in the U.K. It's called university. The university radio station. um, And so, yeah, I have some experience there. You know, I'm familiar being in a studio and having a microphone in front of my face. And around the same time, I was also – like, when people ask like how I got into events. Like, I was booking clubs, like bands. Cl- I'm like, oh. I don't even remember how I got into that. I think a friend of mine just ended up off. He was running a club and he went and got another job and he asked me if I wanted to take it over. Just
1: something very unofficial. Like, and
0: I, hey, like, you want to yeah, do that? Yeah, you seem competent and like, do you want to do this? <laughs> and so I did that for a couple of years and, and booked shows in Belfast um, for a while. And then I started organizing meetups because I was getting interested in sort of. I, a field that I don't believe exists anymore called web design. Yeah. Isn't that RIP, what everybody calls it? Web design. We're product designers or whatever. I'm not oh, we. I don't, I don't do a lot product of web design. Product
1: design might be the worst of those terms because <laughs> it's, it's so, it could be a billion could, different things.
0: Yeah. Pick a different word. It's like engineers. Like you meet someone and they're like, hey, I'm an engineer. And I'm like, yeah. wait, wait, do you build bridges or do you write code all day? Like those are two very different things. And like product designer, like, yeah, are you designing? furniture or are you yeah. making websites like, you know, couldn't we have come up with a different proper noun for and I,
1: that? It's also attached to what I think is one of the most cursed things about our modern web design world, which is the idea that you're you're organized into these little teams building little features that no one cares about or wants or needs. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: But, and if you work for a company, they also never ship. No. Like you work for, on something for like six months and then it gets, you know...
1: Or they ship it and everyone yeah. hates
0: it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or True, just,
1: truly a, just a perfect Ouroboros of hatred.
0: And we're very much in the era of shipping unnecessary changes to things like, you know, there's a lot of things that seem like, I don't know, Slack just made a bunch of changes. I sit in Slack all day, you know, as we all do, and Slack are changing things at the moment. And it really feels like they're just doing it to give people who work there something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than it being sensible
1: changes. This sense. is the thing. This is the thing that drives me nuts.
0: Right. So, yes, anyway, like, yeah, you know, I I went to school for audio engineering and I I like to joke that that left me with two skills that I know how to I can put a PA together. Like I know how to plug everything in. Like, you know, we're doing live music at the festival or whatever. Like I know how a soundboard works. And it also means I can't buy headphones that cost less than four hundred (laughs) dollars anymore. Like that's that's all I took away from two years doing that. Um, And, yeah, I was building websites mostly for myself, uh, and then I started doing it for clients when I dropped out of university. And
1: And this this is also – I mean to go back to the – what we were talking about, web design being a field that no longer exists. Like in those days, like you could actually build the whole thing yourself the and not thing. on Squarespace. You would you would get in. There was a code no editor. logic
0: to it or anything. Like yeah. I stopped designing websites before the CSS pre-processing stuff oh, started happening, n- or react. before responsive web design or whatever. Like now, front-end development, as I understand it, is a lot more sort of engineering-focused. Yeah. But when I was doing it, you had index.html and style.css. And after a while, then we started putting that in a CSS folder. That was nice. You weren't putting your CSS actually in your HTML. And I stopped before it got any more interesting than that. Like, yeah, and I could do it all entirely by myself. That's obviously not the case anymore. I know to the point that we were making about Slack, it feels like it became unnecessarily complicated.
1: Yeah, because everything – because it
0: needed to – some people needed – something to do like some a...
1: people build apps on the web and that seemed like a good idea until it wasn't uh-huh. and now we all have to build apps on the web <laughs> and that's just become a curse yeah
0: so i got out of that before it got weird and uh annoying and before you had to be really good at it and it took like actual skill and you had to yeah had maybe have more of an engineering kind of mindset and yeah, yeah, Like, how did I get started started doing events? I don't know. My friend Joe asked me to book shows at this club, and then I started doing meetups, and then I started doing bar camp, which I haven't heard anyone talk about bar camp in a while. Like, what's on, bar camp? Um, there was a <laughs> god. I should not feel this old at thirty six. This is wild. Um, like on conferences, do you ever go to anything? The idea was that instead of going to a conference that was someone was booking it and programming it, and there was a schedule. The idea was that you would basically just throw a grid up on a wall with a bunch of post-it notes and people would show up and volunteer to give talks. And it was all volunteer kind Damn, of – Damn, that uh, sounds
1: great actually.
0: Yeah. And it, so the the original one was – I think this is right anyway. The original one was Bar Camp and then of course at Fortin people did all different – like people would do on conferences that focused on different themes. But Bar Camp originally was just sort of a broad like come and talk about whatever. Yeah. And of course it was all internet people. So it had, did have a sort of unintended or an unintentional focus – but I did bar camp in Belfast for two or three years. And then I started doing builds, which was a more legit, like you had to, I then I was booking speakers and you had to buy tickets. And I did that for five years. And then right towards the end of that, as I was wrapping it up, I met my uh, business partner, who's also called Andy. And Andy and I started doing XO together. And like, I don't, like, I guess there's a through line here, right? <laughs> like, you know, but it feels this, I think this is a, like a very American kind of, uh, proclivity to like have to go back and sort of weave this through line throughout your life or like
1: it was always meant to be bringing me here or to this or moment
0: college or, or that age that you're at when you're in college being like you know very continuing to be relevant as you're an adult I'm like no, I've never felt that way. Like <laughs> I I am I get up and I do what I gotta do today and the things that I've done in the last few months are probably relevant to that. But I, I don't I don't remember universal I don't remember really the radio station that well. Like I for, I've forgotten a lot of that stuff.
1: As would be the case. I mean, like I think people people do sometimes like Pretend that they remember more of it. But, like, I, I think back to even my university days, and, like, I remembered less and less and less of it by the day. Like, the only thing that really stands out are, like, the, the really negative critiques. But, you know. Of course, yeah. You only, you only really remember the bad stuff. Yeah. yeah but I, I don't know that I could tell you much else about, like, what I did there at this point.
0: I um, Folks listening to this will be familiar with podcasts, presumably. and so. <laughs> you're not you know, if you're not um hey welcome you're listening to one and so and uh, maybe some you can of put you... it on
1: your ipod uh, yes
0: <laughs> i hope that's I hope the battery's still good yeah um yeah, so maybe uh, some folks might be familiar with uh, the McElroy brothers um, who have a, a um, comedy podcast, but also do a DD podcast with their dad. Oh, yes. Um, so I have a tattoo on my arm of what most people think is a jellyfish. You got a void fish. Correct. Yes, it is. Ah, yes, yes. excellent. I have a void fish because
1: I'm exactly the same kind of nerd as this.
0: so yes. this is
1: good. <laughs> this is actually very good.
0: I, and so if you're not familiar in the story, the, uh, uh, in the first uh, arc of the adventure, zone, the D&D podcast they do with their dad, um, there is a character, which is really more of a plot device called the Void Fish, yeah. which they feed memories to, and it causes everyone in the world to forget the memory. So like they feed it a song, and everyone in the world forgets the song
1: or whatever. And like, yes, it turns out- <laughs> someone's job is to is to write songs, that right. Are immediately forgotten and feed them to the void fish. Yes. And
0: so, and like, I, because I think about this a lot, like the power of forgetting, and like, I was like, that is why I have a jellyfish on my arm that helps people forget stuff. Is that I think this like I don't. I don't know that I care to remember. Like, I, I you know, I, I think I've fed a lot of stuff to the void fish. And so that's why I have this void fish on my arm. Like, I yeah. don't remember stuff from the distant past. And I, yeah, I'm kind of happy too. I
1: think. That seems like a healthier way to be, honestly. Um,
0: maybe. Maybe. Uh-huh. Or but- it's informed by deep trauma and is actually a really unhealthy... <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it's, uh, you know, Everything's it, a
1: little column A, a little column B, ultimately.
0: I don't know. If anyone is uh, uh, a McElroy fan, maybe you've seen, um, I watched this video a couple of years, it was maybe a couple years ago now, where Griffin, was one of the brothers, gave a talk. Uh, it was like a opening or graduation speech. Yeah, like uh, commencement Commencement speech or something. Yeah. Um, and talked, and it was specifically talked about the complete opposite of this, about you don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are when you're young and embarrassing and you dress like an idiot and like you've got (laughs) weird hair. Like you should go back and look at your photos. I think the point of these making is like in 10 or 20 years, when you think about this time, like, you're going to feel the urge to be embarrassed by this and to forget it and kind of move on. Yeah, And don't. Like, it is part of who you are. Like, you were this person. You can't really forget and move on from these things. And so I was like, well, thanks, buddy. I did get a tattoo of a creature that you invented that told me the complete (laughs) opposite of that. So, yeah. So maybe it's sort of an odd tattoo. Maybe I should have asked Griffin first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's i mean it's I think it's one of those things where like you have to have a mix of of both because like if you if you are trying to just pretend that your past doesn't exist at all um which i I, I think is in some ways a thing that a lot of the younger folks that I talk to really want to believe like their more embarrassing moments in high school are just you know gone and from this point on their their entry into college they will be perfect and they will be perfect for the rest of their lives and they will never be ashamed of any step from adulthood onward but you can't really be that way right and like in a way that high school stuff like it's the shame of that that they are running from and I certainly was in the same boat I I was very ashamed of like my high school self and I ran from it for a long time and you know very ashamed of my early college self.
0: I mean I moved four and a half thousand miles away from where my <laughs> life was when I was 24 very much you know in that kind of original idea of the tattoo and yeah I think um honestly sort of odd but I you know I watched that video and I did find that actually quite affecting like yeah. oh wait the person who conceived this character or this plot contrivance or whatever is actually telling me the opposite and like Think that's maybe like I think I want to pay attention to that a little bit more than the power of
1: forgetting. Maybe. But like, Is I this think getting to a little too navel gazy already? No. This <laughs> th- if there's any show for naval gaziness, it's this one. Great. Um but like I to 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 also think about like I mean, I think you you do need to forget some of that because like otherwise you are permanently stuck in trauma, which is a bad place to be uh, as someone who has spent a lot of their life <laughs> stuck in various traumas.
0: Maybe not like compartmentalizing and packing it away and ignoring it, you yeah. know, forgetting it or whatever. You know, of course, the you, you only way out, out is through or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. people say. I've been in therapy for seven years. I'm aware of all of this stuff. Like, yeah, I think there's a healthier balance with yeah. like not letting yourself be tied down to who you were in the past, like yeah, there's you a healthier relationship to have with these two ideas.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no right answer ultimately with any of this. <laughs> right. There's no if, if you go if you go too hard in any one direction, it's going to be chaos. But like you know, you like you need to forget some stuff to be able to grow and right. to be able to find the person that you're going to be. And like that is a normal part of just getting to the later stages of your life like right
0: and I was much more extreme about that a few years back and like my accent is different I don't sound super Northern Irish anymore and like yeah you know I did I changed a lot of stuff like I really wanted to forget I really wanted to you know draw a line under that and I think yeah as that has softened again kind of hilariously because I've watched that commencement speech like yeah I think I'm allowing myself to have a more nuanced take on that but um Yeah, there we
1: are. It's it's all complicated. It's all
0: so. And the thing I think about constantly because I had it permanently etched into my arm. (laughs) Yeah, it's right on your forearm. It's right
1: there. And you 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 did it on the inner forearm too, which is. That must have been so painful. Oh, it's That's not such so a tender bad. Area for me.
0: I have a friend who um, has bats on her rib cage.
1: Oh no! And I
0: remember her explaining or like or retelling the story of getting that. That sounds like it was the yeah the ribs. Um, I have a tattoo on my wrist on my other arm. That was pretty gnarly because all the nerve endings for your hand oh. bunch together in your wrist. And so it's very sensitive. Like that's pretty bad. I also have another. This uh, visual medium of podcast. <laughs> this is going to be very good.
1: Yeah, this is an. I mean, this podcast in and of itself is an inherently flawed idea. Uh-huh. So I do have why a half not?
0: sleeve on my other arm. Damn! All right, and that's when I, big. It's yeah. There's like a full half sleeve on my farmer's tan. Um, but right underneath, <laughs> like close into my armpit, that wrecked. Like I was. This was 16 hours. Oh. And for the couple hours that she was in my armpit, I couldn't talk. It hurt so bad. Like, ah! It was yeah. I was like gritting my teeth. So yeah, this the fleshy part of my you know chonky arm that was fine. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that, I didn't. I didn't even really realize that was happening. I forgot about
1: it. <laughs> the boyfish did its job. Hooray! Right. Um. So. Y- <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. This has gone great. They always do. (laughs) Um, So you, but like after all that, you ended up in, in Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, was it, was it kind of build that, that took you to Portland? Was it running away? Like what, what was the motivation? Oh, I'm
0: not going to give you the real answer to that. Oh, um, No, but I've got the cute answer. (laughs) Please. Um, So I came to Portland for the first time in the summer of 2011 to visit um, someone who is maybe familiar to the faculty here and maybe some of the listeners, Frank Chimero. Yes. Who used to live in Portland, um, who spoke at Build, I think the second Build, he did a talk called The Shape of Design, which he then turned into a book. Yeah. Um, and he very kindly, when he came out to speak at Build, like we just got friendly and he asked if i wanted to come crash with him in portland for a while and i was like at the time i was like oh my god french maryland's hanging out with me what the hell <laughs> uh, like yeah sure buddy like no problem and um yeah so i ended up coming out here um in the summer of 2011 for a month and also um didn't come out as a tourist like i got an office at adx like the second day that i was here when oh. uh, adx was open for a month at that point they had just opened that summer um and I kinda just cosplayed like I lived here. Like I, <laughs> I left Frank's apartment every morning and went to the office and worked for a little bit. And did
1: you did you have a return ticket or in theory? Oh, was, I
0: did. Okay. Of course. Yes. If anyone from the Department of Homeland Security is listening up, I was absolutely intending to go home. You were of course absolutely, I
1: was. You you had yes, uh, yes. you had a perfect itinerary already worked out.
0: But I yeah, I mean, and that was what I did anyway. When I traveled, like I like to work. You know, I had the kind of job that meant that I could just brought my laptop and I could work from wherever. Yeah. But I did it a little bit more legit when I got here. I was like, I'm going to go. Honestly, I took a cab from the airport and they took me down past ADX and I saw the paint. They painted ADX on the side of the building. I was like, oh. what is this place? Like, yeah. that's so cool. And then I Googled it when I got in and found out that they had desks. I'm like, that's a great idea. I'm going to rent a desk while I'm here for the month. Instead of just sitting at a coffee shop, so I'll go walk over there every day. And so I thought that actually ended up being really smart because very quickly I was sort of modeling like, oh, I wanna this is sort of what it would be like to just be here. yeah, And it was very pleasant. Um, like I really loved being here. and Frank, also because of who he is, like he knew a lot of people here at PSU and a lot of other designers and interesting people. And very quickly, that first trip, I just I met so many incredible, wonderful, sweet, creative weirdos, and very quickly just became enamored with the place and ended up kind of flying back and forth for a bit over the years while I figured out how to be able to to live here. Um And, yeah, so somewhere in the mix, I met Andy, and we started EXO together. He came over to build at one point. I think it was actually after we agreed that we were going to work together. Oh. And so, yeah, I don't – like, the timeline there of, like, how did I end up here? I mean, the original – the origin story there from the very beginning was – I just wanted to be buddies with Frank, honestly. <laughs> and I didn't, like, before I got on that flight, I was like, I don't know anything about this place. Like, I certainly did not. I was not looking for a different place to live or anything. Certainly, I f- was kind of feeling I was at an inflection point And, like, I had already announced that Build was going to end in two years. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do next. I knew I wanted to do five of them. I think I thought I had five in me. And so it just, it was good timing. Yeah. Like, I came here and I found a place I really loved and a community that I really adored. And um, it was around the time that Sealy started Creative Mornings here too.
1: Yes, Sealy Pines. Yeah,
0: that had a re- like in the beginning was just like a who's who. And I just went to that and I met also s- just so many incredible people. It was just such an incredible community here. And yeah, I got really enamored with that and eventually decided like, no, this is the place for me. Like I feel very at home here.
1: I think you you in a way came at the perfect time.
0: Yeah, it was around the time when if anyone was here for it, there were all the like the New York Times had an obsession with Portland for like a year, or two years. Yeah,
1: every single week.
0: Yeah, was there would a be New an article, article about like this place. There's so much great food, and you know, you know it's temperate. You know, as long as you don't go not in the summer, <laughs> as long you as know. you don't
1: go during the um, ten months of a year, right? When it's
0: not. <laughs> yeah, they were really. For, I don't know who was paying them. Um, but they were really selling Portland and uh, at the time. And I don't know that I – I sure, I saw some. I wasn't really paying attention to that. But I know that was at a particular time when Portland was having its moment in the sun, so to speak. And yeah, it was almost it was at a, the
1: cadence of the number of Portland is dead and it will be trash we're forever now, articles that we get now. <laughs> yeah,
0: Which is ridiculous because, yeah, this place has changed a lot in the 10, 12 years I've been here. Um, but yeah, it's not dead. No. It was like, not even close. Like, yeah, this, this place is still full of really wonderful, creative, interesting, you know, specific kinds of nerds and weirdos. And yeah, that obviously, you know, some of them have been displaced because it's getting more expensive to live here, but it's getting more expensive to live everywhere. Yeah, like, that's not that's for sure. just Portland's problem. Um, yeah. Well, we could definitely take a tangent and talk about that for 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna hold back a little.
1: I mean, we kind of did before the recording, ultimately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like first of all, for folks who don't know, like what what was XOS XO in its in its original form? Like, so the sort of
0: one-liner is that we say it's an experimental festival for independent artists who live and work online. And if you are one of those people, yeah. that description I think makes a lot of sense to you. And if you're not, that what the fuck does that <laughs> mean? Um, and really, it's. Um, And this has, you know, broadened quite a bit in the last three years, too, because now we're all people who live and work online. Yeah, You know, but there was a time not that long ago when being a creative person who was – you had some kind of creative practice that you were trying to sustain independently through cultivating an audience through what – you know, a lot of people have Patreon projects or, you know, even just like a Twitter following or a mailing list. You know, you're you're trying to – there's a very famous essay about this, the Kevin Kelly's essay, The Thousand True Fans, that if you can collect enough people to give you a little bit on a regular basis, a little bit of money on a regular basis, that can be a job. Like yes. You only need a thousand people to give you a couple bucks a month for you to be able to pay your rent. And so other Andy, Andy Bayo, who I started EXO with, one of his many claims to fame was that he was involved at Kickstarter pretty early on. And so another shorthand when people don't really understand what EXO is, as I say, is kind of started as the Kickstarter festival. Like when Kickstarter was exploding in the beginning and a lot of people were using it to like launch interesting creative projects without having to go through publishers or labels or other middlemen to get something done. Like we were very much sort of capturing the energy and enthusiasm around that. And we have sustained that. That is still core to what the festival has been up until the last one that we did in 2019. It's still very much centering independent artists, people who are, you know, interesting internet people who, you know, they have some kind of creative practice again, independently. The rule at the festival has always been, we don't put anyone on the lineup or we don't put work on the lineup without the creator. Like if you are playing a video game at arcade, the person who made it is standing right next to you. In fact, maybe even playing it with them or the, you know, at tabletop, like you're playing the game with the person who made it. Um, Like we don't, we don't show work that without the creator there. So very specific kind of thing it's you know it's obviously found a kind of cult following. People really love it. I, I got to share this anecdote again with someone the other day that you know it was, it's very hyped. The people who who love it really love it. Maybe even a little too much. Um, <laughs> oh, and, this, no. and this became not a problem, but like you know this is that's a lot of pressure to be under every year. Yeah. Like that people get very hyped for it,
1: and um, well, it's it's a festival about making creative work online and that is also a facet of making creative work online is sometimes sometimes things can get a little overheated
0: unbridled enthusiasm and so yeah we sort of embraced this um, back in like 2014 2015 and the festival has an unofficial tagline which is lower your expectations (laughs) Which we've put in lit signage by registration every year since, like, when people show up, we're like, okay, I know you're excited to be here, but you got, I mean, we're just two guys trying to pull this weird thing off. Like, you got to tamp it down a little bit and, like, uh, you know, lower your expectations. Um, So, yeah. So, yeah, we started that in 2012. It was originally, you know, quite aptly, I suppose, a Kickstarter project um and sold out in 50 hours a number i will never forget because it's not 48 and i've never been able to say it sold out in two days two (laughs) hours more than two days two ish days incredibly annoying um yeah and it's been you know found an audience very quickly and um yeah and so we did five in a row from 2012 through to 2016 we said in 2016 that we were going to take a little bit of time off it's in september and so two months after the last one in 2016 was the 2016 election, and very quickly the community was like, actually, please don't take this away from us. Like, community is really important right now. Yeah. Like, we, we can't be without this for multiple years at a time. So we ended up taking a hiatus just for a single year, and we brought it back in 2018, and we did what we refer to as the big one at Veterans Memorial Coliseum. You brought up earlier something about complaining about things that i didn't enjoy whatever so we'll just skip over that but <laughs> i have to get out of the habit of talking about how much i did not enjoy the big one um i know everybody who went or a lot of people who went had a good time i i didn't enjoy doing
1: a big one it's i'm sure um, it had nothing to do with the venue for for those of you who don't know the venue is one of the craziest pieces of architecture because it's a it's a coliseum that is inside a big glass box. Wow! Well, I don't know why they made both of those choices. I, it's I, round with box around. So you don't know it's round until you get in.
0: Yeah. It was Okay. So I have a lot of feelings about that building specifically. <laughs> and so first off, you know, every, uh, you know, major city in the U.S. has a project like this uh, that it, you know, they leveled Albina and, the, you know, the, uh, yes, you the, know, the historically black community. Yes. And not just historically black, but like historically integrated. There were a lot yes. of immigrants and a lot of different kinds of people living in that, in that community. And thriving. Thriving. And it was destroyed to build Interstate and and Memorial Coliseum and, you know, the Motor Center over there too so not a great backstory to begin with no um and that you know it's a big mid-century brick and so it's honestly you know from a distance it's not that bad especially sitting next to moda center it's not that ugly but when you go inside <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely right like the it's the it's two floors right so there's this big fish bowl in the center no. which is where the uh, the winter hawks are again the winter hawks i'm not going to I very easily could. But, uh, you know, they had they took the Chicago Blackhawks logo, that awful racist, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, up until very recently, they were using a really awful racist Native American caricature as their logo for no reason. Oh, have they actually changed it? They now? have. Thank God. Uh, I don't not. I'm sure not fully. And I'm sure there's still people who are, you know, try to make some attempt at what it, bullshit it's offensive and it should go away. Yeah. Permanently. And Chicago should be doing something about it. As well. Yeah. Um, But um, not a building with a lot of great history. No. Um, And yeah, this big fishbowl. And then in the ground floor, I don't know if you've ever been in the... This is an incredibly specific podcast all of a sudden. Yes. If you've ever been in the basement of that building...
1: I have many times. It's just wood panel (laughs) boardrooms. And they're so hideous. It's like well yeah that that to me always like the uh, 1970s version of uh, the the hotel from the Wes Anderson film. God, what is it called?
0: Oh, Grand, but, but Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest
1: Hotel. Yeah, it's the the 1970s version of that where they've just stripped away all the character except it was always built that way. It, it's
0: like the outside of the building is actually kind of a little it's charming in that sort of mid-century yeah. modernist sort of stripped back kind of way. Until like, I you like get the little inside.
1: fountains that are kind of set down, that's nice. sure
0: yeah there's there's definitely some things about it i I don't hate it entirely, yeah, um but yeah, um, I hate it like ninety percent, I think, and yeah it it doesn't have a lot of redeeming characteristics that it you know that they built it in a place where they shouldn't have been building anything, um, and that yeah, that racist logos plastered all over the walls in there, and yeah anyway i you do not <laughs> want me to do my full <laughs> I type 15 on the on VMC. This is this is now officially
1: a Rose Quarter slam podcast.
0: uh, Absolute nightmare. You want to talk about the freeway expansion and my feelings about that? No, we're not going to get into it.
1: Well, we'll see if that ever actually happens. (laughs) Unbelievable. State's inability to ever pay for any transportation projects.
0: Maybe maybe not that one. Maybe stop (laughs) doing that one. Maybe go. I don't, we well, need not, to have
1: more commercial real estate, though. We must have more commercial real estate. I,
0: yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there's something wrong with the commercial real estate we already have because it's not being leased to anyone. No, so maybe, maybe we're just not building it right. Maybe.
1: No, okay. I think we need more of it. I think the problem is we don't have enough of it.
0: Yeah, God. Yeah, we could definitely take a tangent. And, and also,
1: it could be more expensive. Like, what if we just charge San Francisco rent? <laughs> maybe that's a, that could be the problem: is people aren't valuing it could be so yeah (laughs) so we did
0: we did the big one at at, yeah uh, you know this is the thing we have we say xoxo so much we could just call it xo and then we had to say veterans memorial coliseum so much that year that we just called it vmc so yeah we did the big one at vmc in 2018 that was big and some people don't like big events and it turns out i was one of them and um (laughs) you know i only found that out honestly i'm
1: kind of one of them now too Uh, yeah that's a a post-pandemic change for
0: old Sean. yeah like smaller things so uh yeah. yeah and then we did another one in 2019 and um yeah we're kind of getting ready to maybe announce that that was probably it um
1: that that had certainly been i, I think presaged uh quite a bit but it is sad i mean it's officially the end of a big era
0: yeah sort of uh, yeah i wasn't i haven't talked to anyone about this yet really yeah. other than friends and you know and andy obviously as we've been kind of working through this but um yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. Yeah, it's weird for it to, um, to go away and to not and to not feel like it's ending on our terms. The pandemic took it away from yeah. us. Like, yeah. yeah, we did. We did, like we we wanted to do more, and it, it was the pandemic that that was more or less responsible for us not being able to do it anymore. And so, that's not very pleasant. No, you know? and, and I mean certainly on the long list of things that the pandemic took away from us. Um it's, you know, pretty yeah. close to the bottom. It's, you know, the much more important things have been lost, you know, over the last few years. But, yeah, still, you know, but, p- like, it pretty was, sad.
1: I, it was a rough time for events. Like I really, especially like six months into it, I really was in a deep depression for sure. But I was also thinking like, I, I mean, when like we, we at PSUGD do a lot of big live events, we mm-hmm. do student portfolio showcases and, you know, lectures and things like that. And I was really of the mindset that will never come back. That's just done.
0: I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I remember feeling for a long time like I can't imagine a time when we would be doing this again. Like
1: to to think in like summer of 2020, I'm going to sit in a theater with a bunch of people. Yeah, well, you know, the
0: thing I think about. I'm, what? Yeah. I, yeah I, don't, I don't know how much I want to get on this rabbit hole either, honestly. But um, the thing I think about a lot is I had a friend who had a particular obsession with uh, – you know, we're never gonna do birthday cake candles again.
1: Oh yes, this was. Can you imagine yeah. <laughs> spitting on
0: on a cake and handing it to someone like we used to do? It is weird. And then but... it's funny. Like I have, I've been in scenarios in the last, you know, year or so where there are candles on a cake and someone blows them out. I'm like, I thought we were gonna do this anymore. What happened to that?
1: No, this is gross. We're back.
0: Yeah, so we're just back. I guess. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I think we were lacking the nutrients that you only get from someone else's spit. So this is it. Yeah. yeah. Where's the
0: New York times think piece about that? <laughs> That's what I want to hear. turns out we're all missing sharing. Yeah. Not just each other's DNA, but specifically spit on specifically birthday. Specifically spit from birthday yeah.
1: cakes. It's like a, you know, a valuable part of your balanced breakfast. <laughs> uh,
0: I do like the, in this uh, imagined scenario, you're having birthday cake for breakfast.
1: I always do. Do you not? Is that unusual? (laughs) I have the full balanced breakfast, of course. I have the orange juice. I have the 17 different food items that they always have laid out in addition to the cereal.
0: I'll I'll tell you, You know, I said earlier I get to pretend to be British. I get to pretend to be Irish. I get to pretend to be American. (laughs) I think the term for this is a continental breakfast, (laughs) right?
1: Well, it's hard to disassociate in my mind the idea of continental breakfast not being served in a terrible warming tray. Uh Uh-huh. in a holiday, Some, it was like you yeah. Never somehow get... everything that you want is gone, mm-hmm. and so all is just like
0: you never get a continental breakfast in a nice hotel.
1: No, 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 they want you to have a real breakfast there. Why is there so much water in the scrambled eggs? <laughs> Why, couldn't someone you don't want to know what they're off? like without it? Uh, oh. Yeah, that's. True. <laughs> well, I never thought of that. True, truly grim and grisly, the continental yeah. breakfast. <laughs>
0: Well, there's other people who are listening to this right now who are screaming uh, the Key and Peel bit. Have you ever seen the Key and Peel no, bit? No, what the, is this? I... The, oh, I'm going to butcher remembering this. But there's Please. A, there's, a, there's a famous skit from Key and Peele, um where, yeah, they go to a hotel and there's like, oh, the Continental Breakfast?
2: Ooh, <laughs> spoiling oh, yes. us.
0: Ooh, you know, and the whole playing up how, like, fancy it is when it's really actually kind of disgusting. Um like, yeah, I'll never, I'll never see a Continental Breakfast advertised
1: summer again without thinking about that Key and Peele sketch. I, I'm gonna have to go back and watch. That. It's been, a, yeah. it's been a little bit since I revisited Key and Peele. I think you should leave. Took over my, my sketch comedy brain. Be,
0: I, I, it's too weird. <laughs> it's too weird. You
1: can't, you can't handle Tim's weirdness.
0: I have a friend who loves that show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I get, you know, I see the TikTok theme. The fifty five burger, fifty five, fifty five thing. Oh yeah, and the, that. I, so I get some of the jokes, like the stuff that's sort of transcended the show. I get some of that, and the yeah, and I have a friend who loves it. Who I, this happened just recently too, a couple of weeks back. Was like, you gotta watch this. You're gonna love this. And I watched the first episode. And I was like, I can't. This. I absolutely just cannot get with this <laughs> at all. This is just
1: not for me. It's it's. I'll tell you what's very weird about it is, it, and it's the only show I've ever seen that actually works this way. Where you, the first time you watch it, you will be like, "Huh, okay, that's fine," or you know, like that, where you're just you're not into it at all. And that I think happens to plenty of people too. But it's when you watch it like the fifth time <laughs> that it starts to, and that seems to be. I've. And had I don't that. know why that is.
0: This is, you know, a thing that other people may be familiar with is like, you know, someone pitching you a TV show and they're like, yeah, OK, you know, the first four seasons are unwatchable garbage, <laughs> um, but you got to get through them to understand that re- the fifth season's really the fifth season is really good.
1: Wait till Riker grows the beard and right. then another season after that. <laughs>
0: right. And so, like, you got to, in order for this to make sense, you got to make a big commitment to a thing that probably isn't going to be very pleasant. Like, you got to watch these seasons that aren't (laughs) very good. And I feel like I got the same pitch with that show where they're like, it's not that. It's You have to watch it repeatedly until it kind of snaps something in your mind. Uh And then you start thinking it's really funny. And I'm like, you know what? No.
1: You don't want to drive yourself to madness? (laughs) No,
0: I don't. I don't. I'm fine. I'm just going to rewatch taskmaster over and over again until oh. the end of time well yeah I've and find out very that charming lately. that's all uh, yeah i'm good
1: friends if you don't know taskmaster it's a british show where there's a, a mean gentleman and he he makes celebrities do weird tasks
0: well yeah on the premise of the show yeah he's the host but yeah he's, he's uh and it's he is the taskmaster who's asking people to asking comedians largely you know some actors and miscellaneous british celebrity types To do um, like sort of oddball tasks that mostly take place at this house. Uh, that they have next to a golf course in London. Very strange. Yeah. Um, like,
1: wh- how did they get that house? Like, I want that I there's house. There's a
0: very interesting story behind how they managed to, presumably, I don't, they must own it they at this point. They must own it
1: because they do some damage to yeah. it repeatedly. Anyway,
0: we'll, we'll maybe skip past a lot of incredibly specific references to the show and mention that, I again, another thing that's very impressive about it is that the showrunner and uh, the co-host of the show, Alex Horne, appears to have licen- come up with some licensing deal or whatever, where you can watch it on YouTube for free.
2: Yes. A yes. lot of it.
0: Not all of it, but a ton of it. So it's actually very accessible. Like you can find it online easily enough. So yeah, just skip listening to this part. Just go dig it up on YouTube. The seventh season with James A. Kestrin is my favorite.
1: Oh, that one's really good. Go,
0: go watch that. If you need something to get into, go watch that one yeah. first.
1: It's I, I'm really liking the current season that that is going up now too. Although I think I think it's like a season behind what is actually airing on channel four.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know anything about this, and I can't speak to this with authority. I'm just making this up, but you, you should try piracy, like. Uh, <laughs> and so, not me, but a friend of mine uh, uh, has a setup where he downloads or they download it uh, illegally, and uh, I don't know anything about that. No, yeah, how could it's, you? It's pretty easy to keep yeah. up with. I, 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 this person has informed me if you just steal it off of the internet. So. <laughs>
1: the internet a place yeah. for theft? I can't. I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> What's up next? So are, <laughs> I I guess maybe a good point to go from there. You're you're doing XOXO, and you come up with the idea for Sucker Punch. Do you want to talk about Sucker Punch? Like, what what is the, like, impetus behind Sucker Punch? I mean, the story that I
0: tell, you know, I've been talking to investors, you know, I haven't raised a lot of money, but, you know, I've been raising – money for this and like i've had to pitch this to people in a slightly different way than i've ever had to explain yeah other things that i've done like the festival you know we never raised money for that or anything and so like i have to tell this like romanticized origin story when i'm talking to people and i think this is actually still true that back in you know so the festival you know started in 2012 first couple of years it was fine Um, But around 2014, when we, um, you know, very publicly uh, um, had and were enforcing a code of conduct, uh, when we introduced our lottery system, you know, so we were able to have a more diverse group of people show up every year, we were able to prioritize people from marginalized backgrounds, like all of this stuff. um, You know, we made it very family friendly and all ages friendly, you know, started doing programming for kids too, you know, families showed up, you know, we built an arcade for kids every year, stuff like that. Um, The story that I tell is that, you know, once we kind of got a lot of the obvious things out of the way, you know, there were more specific ways that we could accommodate this, you know, very pleasantly diverse group of people who were showing up every year. And one of them was um, in like 2014, 2015, we had some people ask for better non-alcoholic options at the bar. And so originally, and, and actually all the way through the 2019 it wasn't ever really anything super complicated. Yeah. We worked with a local commissary kitchen. It's a place in Portland that if you have – if you go to a bar and you get an alcoholic cocktail on tap, you probably get it from the same place. That's what they do is that they batch cocktails and keg them and sell them to bars. Yeah, And so I reached out to them and like, could you do this for us but no booze obviously? Um, and so we did for years and we made sodas and shrubs and keg them and they were on tap at the festival. And again, not they were really good, but it wasn't craft cocktail level, yeah. you know it was pre batched sodas, essentially, um, but I worked on it every year, and we you know came up with interesting flavors and then we let the community name them the first year that we named the cocktails, it was a series of three emojis in a row, no words, <laughs> and so when you went up to the bar to order them, you were like, "Okay, I'll have bee leaves, uh." devil face? (laughs) Like, what? You know, like we did it on purpose to kind of mess with people and and, we had a lot of fun with it and very quickly and was that the first year that we did that was 2015. I loved it. I really, it became my favorite part of the festival to work on every year was this little tiny project within this much bigger thing of coming up with the drinks, coming up with the flavors, naming them, putting this little bar together even though it wasn't like a huge production or anything and so, the origin story of uh, kind of spins out from there. That again, the same thing. This New York Times phenomenon of like these articles start appearing all of a sudden about like, oh, there's this burgeoning zero proof movement, and like now we're starting to get like more considered options for people who don't drink or they want to drink less, and it was being sort of referred to as zero proof.
1: Yes, and this is not a New York Times article about Portland. This is about like things happening. The New York, in New York
0: Times were writing a lot of articles about how this is coming up, and yes, you know the a lot of. A lot of this is happening, you know, it was very offensive to me personally. A lot of this is happening on the East Coast. And so um, I find that not offensive, but I find that funny because, you know, some friends of mine uh, opened a bar in Greenpoint in Brooklyn called Getaway, and so much of the stuff in their menu was made, like, it's som and, you know, who make drinking vinegars yeah, and it's spun yeah. out of Poc pockets made here in Portland, um, or, you know, the kombucha they were serving was all from... The Pacific Northwest, like all this stuff. I'm like, all these bars are opening the or these bottle shops and bars and stuff are opening in the East Coast, selling stuff that we're making out here. You know, where's the, this movement should be being driven from not just the West Coast, but the Pacific Northwest. Like all the people who are doing the best work in zero proof spirits and, you know, thoughtful, non-alcoholic alternatives. It's all being made here. And so some combination of getting to kind of cosplay being a bar owner at the festival and, like, putting this, you know, quote, a very heavy quotes here, like, bar program together every year where we made sodas, you know, half a dozen sodas every year. And then seeing, you know, places like Getaway open up and a lot of, you know, products coming to the market, you know, especially the spirit alternatives and especially once we kind of got past the first batch of just, like, oh, this is just a viscous liquid in a bottle that doesn't taste like anything. Like, once we started getting... You know, really interesting, complex, you know, spirit alternatives that weren't, you know, contextualized by liquor. Like, oh, this doesn't taste like non-alcoholic whiskey. This doesn't taste like non-alcoholic rum. It tastes like something else. Like, what is this? It started to become very appealing to me to, like, what would it look like to build, not just open a bar out here, which I think should definitely happen, but what if we started thinking about these drinks in a different way? What if we were making craft cocktails that weren't couched in liquor that were not described like the you know we never put drinks on the menu and said like this is this you know island boy again another i'm <laughs> ma- a bim bam reference deep cut here's the island boy probably the most popular drink we ever had on our menu um you know we, we wouldn't hand that to someone and say it tastes like a old-fashioned this tastes like a penicillin no it was unique and original and different and it, just, and it was you know we didn't couch anything in in liquor and we weren't using anything in the drinks to try to parody alcohol in any way like is it possible not just to open a zero proof bar but to run a bar program where the drinks are deeply unfamiliar yeah like and like novel and exciting and interesting and like and if you've never had a non-alcohol like i still remember the first pop-up we did at the beginning of 2020 before the pandemic showed up and we had to stop for a while a long time um I don't know what you mean. Yeah, um, uh, a friend came the first night, and he'd never had alcohol before, mm. and he had the first drink. And like, he came up to me and like grabbed me by the shirt and was like, "What is this? <laughs> like, I've never had anything like this before. This doesn't taste like anything I've ever had." I'm like, "Wow, this is what I'm chasing." Yeah, like I want people. I don't, you know, most people's experience with non-alcoholic cocktails or mocktails, you know, a word I really do not like um, is it's fruit juice combinations with maybe some interesting ice like oh you could put a big ice cube in there some pebbled ice or something yeah somebody I mean, putting
1: bitters in a seven up or something
0: right which i mean I, and i will go to bat for uh shirley temple i love a shirley oh, those, temple Absolutely. however uh yeah most give me all the grenadines yes i <laughs> yes, love grenadine um and then the sort of more mature adult grenadines now we're getting like um these like aperol sprit you know we're getting like grenadine but it tastes like someone set it on fire like so there are (laughs) we're starting to get some of those now wilderton make a really great uh they're out in hood river um or wilfred's is also really good there's a few of those um anyway that experience with that friend trying that drink and like i I can't compare this to anything i've ever had before like this is kind of blowing me away and that was the experience that whole weekend of that first pop-up And also people coming into the bar when we were able to reopen our pop-up last year. We did a six-month pop-up in the goat blocks um, at a former CrossFit gym where we built out this gorgeous bar, this horseshoe uh, mahogany bar all custom built and filled the place with plants. And it was this big glass box. And And um,
1: with kind of like a view of the city, like perched on top of this building. It
0: would have benefited from being one story higher. Yeah. Because where we were was right at where they process all of the trash for market of choice. (laughs) And so I'd like to be a little bit further away from that. And the patio you know, it was fine if you were inside, but then we opened a patio towards the end of the summer last year and it was pungent.
1: Ooh. Uh, Ooh, Yeah, summer's gonna do that. Yeah. Yeah. So being
0: a little bit higher up and being able to see like Big Pink on the West Hills and whatever, you know, that it was you know, it was a but it, it was an absolutely gorgeous space. But that was the goal was can we create non-alcoholic cocktails that have just as much care and consideration and thought put into them as craft cocktails. But let's not couch them in liquor. Let's not, we're not trying to parody anything here. We're trying to come up with something novel and unique and, and, Yeah, and and I want I want more people grabbing me by the lapels and shaking me and like, what is this? What have you done? I've never had anything like this before. Like, this is breaking my brain. Like, this isn't fruit juice in a Collins glass with pebbled ice. This is something else. And like, yeah. So that's what we did, and we were very successful doing it. You know, we we. we're planning on keeping going. We had to cancel the, the first public seatings because it would have been March 19th and 20th. Ah! Yeah, t- terrible timing. Um, And then, yeah, then we were able to reopen in February of 2022.
1: And we were open for six months at the Goat Blocks. And that's an experiment that's sort of ended now. Like, you're not in the Goat Blocks anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. We wrapped up at the end of August. Yeah, and we did a, a lot while we were there. We flipped our menu multiple times, put a lot of new drinks on the menu. Had some really incredible staff come through the bar who submitted drinks to that menu who totally got that thing I was just waffling on about, about like, this has to be different. This has to be novel. This has to be exciting. This has to – like, this is a grab. You buy the lapels and what the hell is this that we're going for? And I I don't want to just give people fruit juice. You put a little bottle shop in the front and introduce people to a lot of other options, spirit alternatives. And, you know, there's some really great non-alcoholic beer. We're about to transition into talking about that. You know, some really great non-alcoholic beer now finally in the U.S. And, um, yeah, it was really great to be able to do that. And then, yeah, the next thing we're going to talk about is what happened after that, which is, yes, unfortunately, yeah, we closed. Um, And another project that we were running um, sort of simultaneously, which a little
1: behind the scenes, almost,
0: a little behind the scenes. And honestly, so the origin story, what we're now going to talk about is that we've been making non-alcoholic beer um, for a little while now. And the original plan for this way back in the beginning was um, we had made a beer with Gigantic for the festival in 2015, a Fresh Hop IPA, a regular beer with alcohol in it. That was a huge success. um, And I really enjoyed the process of doing that, too. And so when we were opening the bar... I was like, well, we could make our, uh, we're in Portland, like someone will want to work with us on making a non-alcoholic beer. We'll just, you know, we're not going to make a
1: ton of it. Yeah, there's a couple breweries out here.
0: There's a couple. Um, And so I'm going to reach out to a handful of people that I know in the industry. Could we come up with something non-alcoholic that's a sucker punch beer, essentially, that we would just have at the pop-up for six months? No more than that. Yeah. And so turns out um, that the people in the world who are both most um, capable of making non-alcoholic beer also find it the most offensive that exists. (laughs) People who own breweries, and not to paint with a broad brush, but (laughs) generally speaking, a lot of people who make alcoholic beer are not interested in making non-alcoholic beer. They find it vehemently offensive Uh to their craft or whatever. And and so, you're, you're sort
1: of offering some vegan burgers to a slaughterhouse. R- sure, I'm like,
0: <laughs> okay, get over it. Yeah. You know, like, you know, fine. have your opinions. That's fine. And so they did. Some people had their opinions, and it didn't look like it was actually going to be possible to make something in collaboration with a brewery. And just by complete coincidence, just as so many incredible opportunities that have fallen into my lap have similar origin stories that I was having lunch with a friend and complaining about this and saying, all of these fucking beer bros (laughs) don't even want to take a phone call. You know, I can't even go and meet them. Like I'm emailing and they're like, don't, no, we're not interested. Don't contact us. Like, like, okay. And I was complaining to someone who was like, you know what I need is, you know, I need someone who has been doing this for a long time and maybe decided during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic, that maybe they wanted to get sober They've been sort of reconsidering, you know. Yeah. As a lot of people, you know, I, I make this sort of, towards an analogy time, I make this analogy to, you know, a lot of designers who, when tech showed up and were like, hey, you know, you don't have to struggle to get invoices back from clients. You know, you don't have to struggle justifying your worth. Come and work for our startup. We're going to give you a ton of money and autonomy, oh, no. you, know, you know, or get, you know, the walk through the forest with Mark. Zucker corn, whatever that everybody did, you know, they went to Facebook, you know, that people got pitched this idea of this industry and then went and a few years in were like, oh, wait, it's toxic as hell and I got to get out of here. And then they realized, like, oh, wait, the only thing I know how to do is this, and I don't want to work for these companies. They're all morally bankrupt or they're like destroying democracy or whatever. But what the hell do I do with myself? And I was explaining this to this friend who didn't have that context. I was a person who's more in the beer world than they are in this like tech design world. Like what I need is someone who's kind of struggling with this in the same way. Who's like, there's a lot about this world that I, you know, I I got sober. I don't want to be involved in this world anymore. I don't want to be in with the beer bros. I want to kind of do my own. I, I, I want to do something else, but also the only thing I know how to do is this. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, that's really funny. I, I, you, do you know this? Like, you're describing someone I know." Oh, I'm like, well, okay. And so I, he ended up introducing me to this person, Justin Miller, who was formerly head brewer at Hopworks. Um, he decided to stop drinking at the beginning of the pandemic, also quit working there to go hike the PCT. Uh, very interesting. Damn. All right, uh, guy. <laughs> And um and so I ended up getting together with him and we got coffee a couple times and I was like, do you want to start trying to figure out how to make non alcoholic beer together? And so that's basically what happened. And he and I have been working together ever since. He did leave for a spell and go work and go finish hiking on the PCT. Um, uh, he last was doing year. this
1: in the middle of the hike, kind of like
0: well, I, taking so, time off, I imagine. So he started, and then the pandemic hit, and oh. the Park Service was like. Hey, surprise, there's a pandemic. you got to come home. The trail's closed. And he got the permit. And so then he reapplied for the permit and got it. And so he left, I think that was last year, and went and did it and finished it. Um, And, uh, yeah, that was an incredible experience for him. And, uh, unfortunately, I am – I've got the body of Shrek. I'm, like, not going (laughs) to hike the PCT anytime soon. You know, I think – I don't know if anyone else is listening who's playing the uh, Tears of the Kingdom – I could do the PCT if I was like a Goron and you put me at the top of it and just let me roll down the hill. <laughs> you know, someone just pushed me. I am in absolutely no physical condition to do anything like that. So I find that, you know, deeply admirable that he went and did that.
1: I mean, you could use Ultra Hand and build yourself a glider or something.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm getting on one of those eagles and just flying from, yeah. Uh, Can you
1: ride <laughs> eagles in the new one?
0: one of the zoni devices is shaped like a bird oh. um, which yeah i don't know if it's an eagle necessarily oh my but God. anyway um yeah so he and i got together and we we yeah, we started making beer together and um we yeah when the bar closed and and originally it was a much more ambitious project to try to open a bar multiple bars to build out the retail space and to do some more retail bottle shop stuff and maybe multiple locations for that too yeah and like could we get into developing our own products a lesson that I still haven't learned for whatever reason is that I have a finite capacity and I can't run multiple businesses successfully at the same time without completely destroying myself.
1: Hey, I, that's not – I'm, I'm fairly familiar with that. <laughs> right. I'm going to be honest. Uh-huh.
0: And so, yeah, we made a decision at the beginning of this year, we were recording this in 2023, right, Um, to f- just focus on the brewery. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what we're doing. We have an IPA and a lager. Uh, more The IPA is totally finished. Uh, the lager, we're still R&Ding. We've got a little pilot brewery up in St. John's that we, again, very odd set of circumstances that we've conveniently kind of stumbled upon that we've been doing kind of R&D brewing at. And yeah, we're getting ready to scale up and start doing some serious volume to hopefully bring this to market in the next, you know, few months. And it's been very interesting and I didn't think I was ever going to end up owning a brewery or anything like that. And who knows what's going to happen with it. Maybe I won't end up owning a brewery. But um, it's uh, – yeah, Justin is such an incredible talent and wonderful person. It's been such a joy working with him on this. And, uh, yeah, and so we're very excited to bring – yeah, it's called Heck. Yeah. yeah. It's, yes. Yeah, and the line is if it had alcohol in it, it would be called hell, but it's not alcoholic. <laughs> so it's called Heck. Um, yeah. And so I love naming things I named Sucker Punch too. I still think that's one of the it's best really things I have ever name. come up with. Because uh, was like people would come in, they'd be like, How'd you come up with the name? And I'm like, Are you kidding? Like, why are you here? You know? <laughs> it's non alcoholic cocktails, like, you know, you have to be a sucker to take this seriously, right? We're doing a tongue in cheek <laughs> thing, right? Don't you get it? I still love that so much. Uh, yeah, so we're working on that now too.
1: We were talking before the recording, like, you know, a lot of ways, this is sort of an inflection point uh, or as I always seem to say, reflex point. I don't know why, because that's not correct. Yeah. Um, But, you know, this project is sort of like in this stage where it, you know, is about to become a real thing. And there's a bunch of like other things that are about to change in your life. And that's like that is that's kind of an exciting place to be and it's kind of a terrifying place to be you know i i've been spending a lot of time there myself like
0: yeah we were talking about this beforehand i think at least for me and um you know yeah the thing that we were saying yeah before we hit the record button that this sort of odd nostalgia that i have that you know i share with some people that we were all sort of having These dominant emotional experiences simultaneously at the beginning of the pandemic, like the time dilation thing that happened at the beginning. Everyone was like, how is it the days feel so long? And also that it just felt like 20 minutes, you know. And, yeah, that that he feels sort of oddly nostalgic for like – remember, obviously it was horrific and what was actually happening was (laughs) – they were all simultaneous you know, for the first time, really, a lot of people, almost everyone was, like, experiencing the same trauma at the same time. That's what it was. It was not a thing to feel nostalgic about. It was horrific. But it was sort of novel and kind of interesting that we were experiencing big feelings and experiences like this sort of simultaneously. Yeah. And so there is sort of and – and it is hard to kind of miss that. There was something kind of uniting in that, like, you know, at a, especially at a very difficult time. And the, yeah, I think there was a, it's maybe not the same thing. I'm still looking for that in places, but I feel like, and again, I don't know if everyone agrees with this or even anyone agrees with this at all, but it felt like last summer, I think everyone was expecting a big change or a big sort of inflection point kind of moment. And it didn't really happen. Everybody was just, but it's happening this year. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But for some reason, and I know I'm not the only person experiencing this like, you know, we, I made the decision to end Exo and, you know, permanently and, you know, the bar closing and transitioning over to the brewery and just like personal life changes. Yeah. I'm going to maybe I have to move. You know, I'm not leaving Portland, but like, I you know, I'm going to be moving out of my apartment hopefully next month. You know, it's there is, that thing that I think I was expecting to show up last summer is showing up this summer. I think a lot of people are feeling like this is sort of a big kind of inflection point. This is a moment for change embracing that yeah maybe it's time for things to be a little bit different i'm definitely going through that
1: at the moment yeah it's also a moment of excitement too because like when i think back to 2020 a lot of the change was terrifying (laughs) yes i am allowing
0: myself to feel enthusiastic about this yeah because when the fuck have i felt enthusiastic in the last three years yeah you know i'm getting a little taste of optimism and the potential for the future and what you know the things that i'm working on now or starting, you know, what if this is what I do for the next few years? Like That's actually kind of exciting. Like, yeah, embrace yeah. it. Like, yeah, when was the last time I was excited about something? Like, yeah, I'm not going to hold back. Like, let's feel excited. If you have something going on in your life that makes you feel excited and optimistic, you know, it's also a time of great pessimism. And it's, you know, it's yeah. very much in vogue to be pessimistic about everything. Fuck that. Be enthusiastic.
1: Yeah, we've earned it. I think that is that is such a good... A good mentality to to kind of leave folks with like that is that's where we should be like really thinking about like you know feeding some of the things that have been holding us back to that void fish yeah and (laughs) like looking at this as as a chance to like make some change that is positive for ourselves
0: absolutely Uh, yeah and who knows what's going to happen and it's still a very weird and scary time to be a person especially if you live in the u.s but, yeah, God, if you can grab on to anything that feels good and feels like you've got some potential for the future. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I'm, I feel like I'm surprisingly coherent this morning. And I want, <laughs> If anyone is taking away from this that I, like, have anything figured out or, like, I absolutely do not. I am, you know, adrift here also. <laughs> but <laughs> But, yeah, I mean – yeah gra- like if you I am grabbing onto these feelings and sort of hoping for the best night yeah I really that's what's coming up next am I am I gonna do something to succeed EXO, you know the breweries at this really great point that it could potentially take off I, yeah I'm just gonna grab on and work as hard as I can and see if I can turn these things into something and yeah feels like that sort yeah. of inflection point or reflection point perhaps
1: <laughs> yeah finally showed up this summer Andy, if people want to find more about Heck or about you, where where do they go? Where do they look? Uh, yeah. So we're going to do
0: some uh, – now that we actually have beer, uh, and we do, I'm going uh, – we're recording this on a Sunday. So on Tuesday, we're going up to the brewery to start canning some of the beer that we have.
2: Ooh. So we're
0: going to start doing events uh, to, like, test it with – people, see what people think. And it's great. Uh, you know, I've, I care what you think, but I also know it's really good. Um, so you can go to heck.beer, um, and especially if you live dot in Portland. Dot beer. Heck.beer. Yes, I love nice, tidy domain names. Oh,
1: my God. I didn't even know that one existed.
0: Heck.beer, yeah. Um, I think we have heck.brewing, too, actually. Um, although if we don't don't uh, register that until I check, <laughs> if you're listening, don't you dare. Just and, pay
1: ICANN like, the $10,000 to uh-huh, get the dot brewing TLD it. off the ground.
0: No, thanks. Um, yeah, so heck.beer. I have, uh, I don't know. What else is yeah, andymcmillan.com dot com is my site. You know, we're also recording this at a time like Twitter's dead. This you know yeah. t- turns Oof. out they this lunatic took it over and he's a real piece of work. Um, <laughs> and I I have it, it no, seems to be getting worse by the day too. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad we're not getting an opportunity to talk about that. Honestly, no. Um, but this like you know I I, I don't know how well this will age. But you know we're all sort of sitting around waiting to see where we're supposed to go next. And I don't feel particularly enthusiastic about any of the options that are available at the moment. No. So I don't know. Go to my website. It's you know pretend it's
1: 1996 again. Just go to my website if you want. I, I think that's fantastic. I will say I'm also reinvesting in LinkedIn because hey, there's you know, something deeply wrong. God, why did you bring
0: this up at the very end? <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. I decided you know, especially at, you know after the sale and Elmo buying Twitter. I feel very uh conscious of this like incredible resource that I built up over years, like this wonderful collection of people who were on Twitter this going away and like yeah. you know, there's there's a warm, fuzzy, like, oh my friends and everything, you know. But there's also kind of a brutal like, oh wait, this is where like where all my professional opportunities came from. This is terrifying. And it turns out there is a place where you collect people around professional opportunities and it's a little gross, but it's LinkedIn. <laughs> And, you know, I did – t- I've been sharing this with a lot of people um, that I started trying to rebuild my network on LinkedIn a few months back. Of course, kind of, like, you know, gagging while I was doing it because like <laughs> I, I don't think anyone has warm, fuzzy feelings for LinkedIn. No. Um, but, you know, what happened actually is a very un-LinkedIn thing is, like, I'm getting coffee and lunch with people I haven't seen in, like, five, six years, you know. Wow. It is – people are messaging me on LinkedIn to catch up and – or I'm, like, reconnecting with people I haven't talked to in a long time. I'm not on there, like, you know, pitching things I'm working on or looking for jobs or, you know, whatever you're supposed to use LinkedIn for, constantly talking about yourself, uh, whatever you're supposed <laughs> to use it for. Yeah, it's it's honestly actually been a really nice kind of – it is – I have been getting the warm fuzzies from it. Like, I've, I've caught up with people that I haven't seen in years. And, you know, is this the other thing, too, of, like, being friends with people? I forget where people work. I don't, you know, I, I, you know, and I, you know, I, I.
1: I, And a lot of folks changed since maybe the last time anybody used LinkedIn. It's incredibly useful, actually. Like
0: I want, yeah. And and to be able to catch up on like what's been going on in people's professional lives. And, you know, that is so often how so many of us relate to each other, at least, you know, catch up with somebody you haven't seen in five, six years. What have you been up to? What are you working on? How's work? You know, how's your job? What's your shitbag manager up to? You know, <laughs> and it ha- it has actually been a really incredible resource for, you know, reconnecting with people. And I think I'm using it wrong. Like I- I'm using it to be friends with people, like actual, real, genuine friendships. You're and using it's great. it right. Love LinkedIn. Go back on LinkedIn. We're all fucking up LinkedIn. Yay! And so, yeah, embrace it.
1: 2023. That That's our 2023 motto. The year of LinkedIn. The year of LinkedIn. It's not Blue Make...
0: Sky or Threads or anything. If it's going to be some gross tech startup, presum- I don't know about the ownership of LinkedIn. but I believe I, it's Microsoft. I, yeah. I, I assume Famously
1: chill company. Microsoft.
0: problematic people running it, too, or whatever. But, like, yeah, we're going to embrace something that's being run by people who have way too much money. Why not LinkedIn? Yeah. Give LinkedIn a
1: chance. Make LinkedIn weird again. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Andy.
0: Oh my gosh, this is such a treat having you here.
1: Enjoyable, yeah.
0: Oh my god, I can't. If you made it through to the end of the episode, (laughs) like I feel like you should be able to send a like stamped addressed envelope, and you get a little reward in the mail or something, (laughs) like. Yeah. Yeah, Send
1: a self-addressed stamped envelope to 2000 Southwest (laughs) Fifth Avenue, Portland, Oregon 97201, care of Sean Schumacher, and I will send you another self-addressed stamped envelope (laughs) to your address of choosing. Uh (laughs) We'll just sort of sort of a bad system. How do you
0: adequately reward someone for sitting through two hours or whatever? Of this.
1: You send them some stickers or well, I tell them that it I've been sitting through it for eight hours cutting it down. (laughs) (laughs) And then that that guilts them sufficiently. Mm -hmm. Um but thank you. Thank you again. This was so
0: much fun. Thank you for even thinking of me. And
1: yeah, this was a blast. Thank you. And also, hey, hey listener, thank you for listening to this. Again, send me that self addressed stamp envelope. (laughs) I will send you one back. And we'll just keep doing that forever. Um, If you like this show, why not subscribe in your podcast player of choice? You can search for the words that are this show's title, Did I Do That, on those services. But you could also uh, do that by visiting our website, Did I Do That, that design. Uh, There you can find some good, good images that go along with each and every episode. And if you want those images delivered directly to you, you can follow the show on Instagram. We are also socializing on LinkedIn and YouTube if you want to embarrass yourself publicly by showing your support for us on linkedin especially again make linkedin weird is our is our 2023 goal um i'm sean schumacher this is did i do that and as we always say at the end of every episode
2: what (laughs) what okay bye Uh, bye. did
1: not know you were going to point at me yes that's but that's the bit Okay. Um, it's thank you. That was incredible. Yeah, that was a lot of
2: fun.
1: <laughs> well, this is a nonsense show. Yeah. More than anything. I mean else. I think we're nailing that.
2: I mean <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. Um mm-hmm. uh- <laughs> What's up next?
1: Hey, are you looking for a podcast about fonts? Why would you be looking for that? That's weird. <laughs> um, but if you are, for some reason, have we got the podcast for you? It's called Fontroversy. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's like controversy, but font. I got that. Did
2: mm, <laughs> mm, It's pretty hard to get that one.
1: I don't know about You're that. You're right. It's a thinker. Uh, what do you do on Fontroversy? We
2: talk about fonts that we might not love.
1: And you kind of go behind the typefaces themselves and reveal fun and interesting facts?
2: We sure do. And maybe if you listen to it, which you will, you
1: might... <laughs> Is
2: <that a> <laughs> yeah. Wow. You might change your mind about some fonts that you see every day.
1: I'm in. Where can I go to find this podcast?
2: Well, you can find it at Fontroversy.com or wherever you find your podcasts.